What is happening, ladies and germs? How are you? We are back with another 2022 podcast. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the Maham McCann Podcast, a fortnightly philosophy and lifestyle podcast where I unpack people's philosophies and stories for your personal growth and development. It's all very meta, um, a lot of asking questions, thinking about things, reflecting, and uh, just some good old-fashioned conversation. This week, I'm speaking with Philip Halton, uh, founder of Goblin Skateboard Magazine, editor, skateboarder, entrepreneur, and in this podcast, we're talking about Philly's fight to save Portobello. Um, that might make it sound a bit more dramatic than it is, but um, trying to save the Portobello square, square on the canal, I suppose, um, and preserve it as a public space, as there is a hotel being built there now, which you might know about if you live in Dublin. If you don't, you're probably saying, what the hell is this? This doesn't make any sense. But really what this is, is a a microcosm of a much larger problem. Um, how do you affect change? How do you take on planning offices and governments and businesses and do it properly um, so that you can make sure that your interests, the public interests, democratic interests are preserved? And that's really what we're exploring in this podcast um, and hoping to offer to people insight on how to go about that, what the motivation is and how you might implement it in your own life to change the world by changing yourself. All sounds very good, doesn't it? But overall, it's a great chat, and Philly's got a hell of a set of pipes on him, and he's wonderful to listen to. So I know you're going to enjoy it. So without further ado, here's the podcast. Boom! Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back, Mr. Philip Halton, our most recurring guest, I think. Now, this is a third chance, <laughs> possibly. Can't shut me up. So. Yeah, man. Well, it's good to have you back. And we have, I suppose, a, a specific topic to be discussing of uh, one matter uh, of preserving the Portobello. Yeah, um, thanks for that. Um, I think I, I think having a long-form discussion on it actually uh, is a lot easier than trying to put across Instagram posts with minimal messaging yeah. and stuff because yeah i think a lot of information gets kind of lost when uh when it's dulled down onto you know social media platforms a lot of the time for sure yeah, absolutely so what's going on man what's i mean you kind of outlined it briefly for me but for people listening you know what's the what's the story um, yeah so well funny enough i pulled out uh an issue one of goblin the first one that we done back in 2018 and i actually just i flicked onto a page and i uh, kind of forgot that i'd wrote in this but it was just talking about um what the uh what the future essentially was going to be for portobello and how it was likely to pan out and um you know except for covid it was it was pretty much on the money um and basically when the hotel planning commission went in back in around 2018 the plaza was always going to be under some sort of you know some sort of threat i suppose you could call it or it's its future was a little bit uh blurry but um the planning commission got accepted uh you know construction took effect there about two years ago COVID held things up but it's now the ball is rolling again 
Um, in the last couple of months uh, or weeks, rather, uh, a hoarding was erected around probably about 70% of the uh, public space. And it's being used for storage space by the uh, contractor who's carrying out the building works. So that's going to be gone for a minimum period of about 18 months to two years. Um, obviously, that's a major social hub uh, in Dublin and uh, one of the most popular go-to places, let's say, on a sunny day. But also sure. uh, one of the main skateboarding locations in in Dublin and, and probably Ireland, I suppose you could argue as well. Um, so, yeah, in the next couple of weeks, early March, there's going to be a public consultation with Dublin City Council asking for the public to come in and give their opinions on what they'd like to see there in the near future. Um, but there was a lot of um, there was a lot of high emotion around the summertime because, uh, you know, lockdowns being lifted, young people being young people, everyone was kind of going out on the rip a little bit. And then uh, there was a lot of like late night drinking and uh, I suppose like antisocial behavior, you could call it as well. On the canal, I suppose. Um, on the canal. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, the, the problems that um, were always kind of, you know, behind behind the curtain somewhere or, or at least on the surface of things were, were the uh, urination and then probably late night drinking. and <laughs> Yeah, I've definitely you never know? done that myself anyway. For yeah, 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 yeah. But, but of course, yeah, so like obviously uh, around the time that the lockdowns were lifted, there was just a lot of late night drinking and stuff on the canal. And then, um, you know, things that could have been remedied, like temporary toilets could have been installed earlier or, uh, you know, more bins and, and whatnot, you know rather than fencing it off, which is what eventually happened. Uh, I think if there was a bit of, um, you know, thought put into it sooner, we could have avoided a lot of the high emotion that took place. So, you know, in, in, in the coming weeks, it's going to be really important to try and engage with as many people as possible. Uh, you know, general public, you know, the stakeholders, the hotel, the residents, uh, the guards, the council, councillors, uh, everyone, you know, everyone's going to have, have a say on this. And, um, I think it is possible for Portobello to be a really, really good example of public uh, space and planning in Dublin if it's done right. However, you know, if 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 tensions are raised, if people aren't getting along, if there's no um, if if reason is is left, then you know you could end up with quite the opposite. So. I've been in contact with most parties now at this stage um, and everyone is on board, you know, pretty much to say that we, what we want here is is a really good public space. We want something that is, you know, okay. uh, multi-use, that is, uh, you know, welcoming to everybody. We don't want something that's, you know, overwhelmingly, you know, just for hotel users or overwhelmingly just for skateboarders or overwhelmingly just for residents. We want something that is, you know, at the end of the day, Rathmines, Portobello, that area is one of the most diverse and one of the most welcoming best communities in the entire country <clears throat> and i think we could create a space that uh you know that that really supports that so um so that's the idea yeah man there's a lot in there jesus to tease apart i mean so just for because i'm still kind of ignorant about this i knew somewhat about the building of the hotel there that there is a hotel going up i didn't realize that the hoarding around it or the kind of like fenced off area was to support the builders as they're doing work in the hotel and that's a public yeah. space. Is that an issue or is that just like that's I mean it is an allowed. issue, yeah. Because you you do lose the amenity, like the space itself will be lost for about eighteen months to two years, you know. And yeah. uh, like eventually it will be redesigned, you know. I think that's pretty much a mm -hmm. given at this stage. And that's yeah. why the long term goal is to turn it into a space that's really, you know, really, really works yeah. for a lot of people. Um mm. But, you know, in, in the short term, yeah, it's a problem. I mean, uh, you wouldn't see that happen to Stevens Green, Marion Square, something like that. We wouldn't just border mm. off parts of those parks so that the, a builder could use yeah. it for storage space. But obviously, my background in construction, I have some, some sympathy thought, yeah. with that. Because, no. 
you know, yeah, and and look, it does happen in in certain situations, particularly in tight locations and spaces where you know construction is very difficult. That road is a residential road. There's an argument in there that it, you know that 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 many stories and beds of a hotel really shouldn't have been put there in the first place, and this has to have been yeah. thought through. Maybe it wasn't, you know, but anyway, look to facilitate the construction and make it happen quicker so that the space is then given back sooner. You know, I, I do understand it. I mean, it it makes sense to a degree and and it is upsetting to see it, you know, taken off like that. And and there is an argument, Mm -hmm. a strong argument against it, but um, also on top of that, it is going to help, you know, the safety of the neighborhood too, because again, it's a very, very tight road. I can just about get my own van down there most days. So backing in trucks and deliveries and whatnot, it is difficult. So I do, I do empathize with the situation and I understand it. Um, I think my, my focus is more on, uh, is more on the, the, uh, the consultation and more on like the, uh, the design going forward in the future. I think that's going to be really, really important, you know? Um, yeah. So, so you a think lot of my, that the, my energies are there. So that the, like the hotel ship has sailed, there's going to be a hotel there. It's kind of what's going to be done with this space, which is like at the moment there to paint a picture for people, I suppose you've got the canal on one side, you have this open area, you've got benches, you've got things for bikes, you know, it's facing onto that pub. What's the name of it again? The, uh, the, lower the bar still. The lower deck. <laughs> That's definitely different, just made up name. But um yeah, facing onto that. And it's an area that people would go, you know, drink hands, but people would skateboard, people would hang out there during the day, drink coffees. Like it's a real social place. It's one of the few places in Dublin actually that I'm pretty sentimental about is that bit mm. of the canal. It's the only kind of place that reminds you almost like of somewhere a bit more I don't know, European or something, or there's more kind of like, yeah. it has a particular vibe to it that you can't really get in other places, even other bits of the canal, you don't really get that. So whenever I saw the fences going up and everything, I was like, oh, right, that's just, that's gone now. I suppose that's the end of that one. Um, yeah. And I wonder what prompted for you the reaction then to say, you know, I'm going to go take this on, like, because I saw that and I was just like, duh. Um, I didn't have that kind of, you know, you're really, you're taking it on. You're taking on the challenge. What was yeah, it absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's another part-time job on top of several other ones. I yeah. Suppose. You're doing 80 million things already. So. Yeah, yeah. But, but at the end of the day, I have been waiting for this moment for years now. I mean, a good five years I've, you know, been anticipating this and at the same time, just tried to just, just look, when I was younger, I think my attitude was fuck Dublin City Council, fuck the hotel, fuck these people, blah, blah, blah. But I've grown up a little bit yep. since then and just realized, <laughs> actually, do you know what? You can't, you can't, you can't win in that, that sort of attitude fly. a lot of the time. So the, um, yeah, so, so just trying to take a more, uh, a more democratic approach to it, I suppose, and just, or diplomatic and, and really just trying to reach mm. out to people. Because at the end of the day, this is actually what worked for Weber Park, Cork Street, which turned out to be one of the best parks that have been built in this country in years and years and years. Yep. And that all came through just consultation between residents, between the council, between councillors, everybody that was involved, you know. So and, and we ended up with a, with a fantastic space. And I think something similar can happen in Portobello. But actually, to be honest, I think we can one up it. I think we can do even better if we try. So, um, so yeah, the idea there is to just get over, you know, people... People have to be reasonable about the space. You know, not everyone is going to be, you know, get exactly what they wanted. And, and there is going to be compromise. You know, there's going to be compromise on behalf of residents, on behalf of skateboarders, the hotel users, the council. Everyone has to compromise here because that yeah. is how you end up with, you know, with the best with the best outcome really for everyone. A little bit, you know, a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, ideally for me, I'd love to see, you know, some sort of art installation that doubles up as a skate obstacle in the center of that space mm-hmm. or 
you know, uh, things that kids can use and, and look intergenerational sort of obstacles and objects and stuff that you can have there so yep. that parents can come, you know, you know, kids can come, they can skate, they can kick a ball around, whatever it may be. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be tons of money put into this. It doesn't have to be a lot of, you know, uh, obstacles and, and clutter. It can be quite an open space that's just accepting mm-hmm. of, of, of uh, activities. Um, I suppose it's an interesting thing to note that the uh, hotel will be contributing somewhere in the region of, I believe, upwards of maybe four or five hundred grand to the redesign of the plaza. And of course, to do that, they're going to want to have a strong say in exactly how it's designed. For sure. Now, that that kind of does change the power balance of uh, what mm-hmm. the design is going to be, obviously, because if they're putting up the money for this, you know, they're going to say, OK, well, we want to have quite a large say in what's going to be outside of our hotel. This is our business. It's our investment. We want to uh, control yep. that somewhat. So. Mm-hmm. But again, as long as uh, as long as it's 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 reasonable, and as long as it's you know with with the the good of of the public in mind as well, I don't see why that would be an issue. I've been on to the the uh, the project manager for on behalf of juries and uh, nice guy spoken spoken about it. And again, we all seem to be on the same page. Obviously, the devil is in the detail when it comes to the design, and that's going to be incredibly important. So, at the minute, I'm kind of liaising with uh, a friend who is in an architectural firm and they're happy to come on, do some pro bono stuff and uh, get involved, put a couple of designs together and see what sort of this, what the space can offer, you know, cause it is actually quite a small space. Um, mm. But, uh, but look, this is a stepping stone as well. And it's, it's, it's educational for, for, for me, for everyone who gets involved really and truly for going forward too. And, and even just getting into contact with uh, councillors and with, you know, council executives and whatnot, I can see that the attitude towards skateboarding particularly is, is changing, you know, quite dramatically. And I do think that's because of positives of Weaver Park and Cork Street of maybe Valley Firm at Skate Park and a couple other examples. Mm-hmm. So going forward, I actually think that skateboarding, you know, it's it's possible that Dublin is going to take on a really progressive approach to it and we could start utilizing public spaces all around Dublin that are kind of underutilized right now and you know we just attract people like skateboarders or or you know similar activities and whatnot it could be football again could be anything you know but um I think there is real opportunity here to change the face of Dublin and it's needed because Dublin suffered more than most countries more than most capitals rather around around the world since COVID it was really left out you know to dry we've seen We've seen how desolate and, and to be honest, how dangerous Dublin streets can become when there's not very many people there. So you really want people in the city. And um, Portobello, it's it's designed right now and the same Weaver Park. It allows for safety because it's visible at nighttime through lighting and just through basically being on the street level uh, and, and in a very populated area. And that's that's what makes people mm-hmm. feel safe a lot of the time as well, is, is knowing that there's other people around you in case something happens. The likelihood is that someone will step in or maybe call the guards or whatever whatever it is. But it is a very important part about designing a, a safe public space, you know. Um, so, yeah, again, it's it's going to be it's going to be in the in the design. That's where um, that's where really, really intelligent decisions will have to be made. Um, and mm. if they're, if it's done correctly, then we're in for we're in for a fantastic uh, jewel in Dublin, Dublin's crown. I yeah, think. man, there's so much in there that you're touching on. There's something kind of that's coming up in me, and that that this is very symbolic or kind of emblematic. You said it's an educational opportunity, and that's kind of what I'm hearing as well. Because there's been so much, I suppose, disgruntling for people in Dublin that I've spoken to, and even in myself about the massive change happening in the city so quickly and things like hotels where you feel like you don't have a say over it or you don't have any control Mm. and it's kind of it's just happening and there's cranes everywhere and it's all transforming and you know who knows what's going to come next and 
is it going to be the city that you want it to be? And so this, I think, is a really interesting kind of microcosm of that larger problem that I see going on. And that's why I want to yeah. dig into it a little bit more because it's about social action and about also, you know, how to address problems that seem like they're on a macro level or that they're, you know, these big, you know, economic, political, massive problems that an individual can address. And so I wanted to kind of dig a little bit more into how you've been doing that and how you've gone about it. And so who was the first person that you contacted about it? Or did you have a plan in mind? Did you think, you know, um, I'm going to do this now? Or did somebody say what to do? Yeah, well, um, again, I've, I've actually had so much time to think about this over the years. And then again, from the background of construction and just a general interest in, in planning, uh, you know, in, in how that process works, it fascinates me, to be honest. I'm really, really interested in, in uh, the planning system, in, 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 in just how this operates and how things are built, how, you know, as yep. much as buildings interest me, I'm just as interested about the stories behind them and how they came to be and stuff like that, you know, and that goes from any century in, in Dublin to today from, you know, four or 500 years ago, it doesn't matter. I'm fascinated by it. So I've always had that interest anyway. Um, and I do think that it's, it's a, it's a stumbling block to people who are affected by planning decisions or, you know, potential planning decisions um, who, who don't have that sort of same knowledge or, or maybe background yeah. into, into how these systems operate. And that's why um, I'm, I'm hoping that people are reasonable enough regarding Portobello that it doesn't become political because when it becomes political, emotions get quite high and reason yep. is oftentimes thrown out the window. And then what you'll end up with is, is, is bad decision-making essentially, you know, pop popular or, or populist decision-making or, or, you know, something like that, Tribal which I really hope against each other. It's, it's exactly mm. what happened when, when Portobello got fenced off. Like it's a prime example of what happens when emotions are high, no one's being reasonable. And then the space is taken yeah. away for everyone. That is exactly yeah. what happened. Mm. And it can happen again in a negative way in the design, unless people are really, really reasonable about this, you know? Um, mm. I know, I know a lot of people aren't going to be happy with me saying that, but it's the truth. And it's just how the, yep. it's how the system is set up. Um, mm. Look, back in 2018, uh, I, I knew, I still knew a bit about planning and, and whatnot, but, you know, over the years, I've just come to know more. And it's why I kind of expected all of these things to happen, you know, the road opening license taken away the plaza for however long and so on and so forth. But, you know, the planning system, that's, it's, it's not irresistible to change but from an individual point of view it's it's like trying to shift a massive rock it's very difficult to do on your own you that's kind of what i was right? thinking and what i'm really kind of trying to get at i suppose is how do you shift that rock or how do you see that rock that might look unmovable to some people i mean how are you gonna uh, yeah. move it i think it's really about just planting the seed of an idea of saying okay well, let's 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 incorporate skateboarding into this first and foremost, and you'll have my help and so many other people's help, and we'll come together on this and make a fantastic space. Just as long as we're listened to, and we can, you know, put our thoughts into this process, because really and truly, I think skateboarding is a fantastic way to integrate public space in around cities, and we're seeing that in places like Malmo and Copenhagen and Barcelona and Paris. It's happening in a lot of uh, little pockets around Europe, and it's working really, really well. And there's no reason for us not to jump on that. And Weaver Park, again, in Cork Street, is a fantastic example of it. We've done this already successfully in Dublin, and we can do it again in Portobello. Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, regarding, like, uh, where to start when it comes to the planning, like, right now I'm trying to set up with uh, with a couple of the people, the Irish Skateboarding Association, and the entire idea behind this is that it's going to be, you know, skateboarding's first uh, sporting 
body rec- fully recognized and 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 will eventually be able to get grants and whatnot but also it's going to teach people how to engage with your local council how to you know petition for your skate park or maybe get it updated get lights in it more bins seats whatever it is let's just create the best spaces we possibly can for skateboarding and for and for public in, in public spaces in general you know because when a public space is done well uh, then everybody wins really and truly you know um sure so so that that's that's on the long term like and again portobello is the first major fight of this you know of the irish skateboarding mm-hmm. association it's going to be it's going to be a, a real testing ground and, and again if it's done right and it can be used all across the country i think in in many different towns as a prime example of of what a successful public space looks like you know and um, that's what i'm thinking yeah because i mean these as i said like a microcosm of a bigger problem and sometimes i think a lot of time people think you have to change the whole system or something or like you have to tackle these problems on like the hugest level but in reality what you do is you create a new case and the new model then changes the paradigm so like like you're saying with weaver park that allows a precedent for you to then go and do what you're doing Whereas if there is no precedent and you go out and make one, you can change the kind of the model that people are using. You don't have to do it like mm-hmm. everywhere all at once. Like something like Portobello is a perfect example yeah. of how you can create a new paradigm for these types of mm-hmm. spaces. But yeah, how you know, it's a hard thing to get. I think a lot of people would dismiss it as impossible or something. That's kind of my intuition would be that people wouldn't, well, maybe I'm thinking that personally, but it's very easy to just say, oh, it's hopeless or, you know, why would I bother when it comes to big things like planning, hotels, Mm -hmm. city councils, you know, and what's your experience been? Are people willing to negotiate with you? Are people willing to talk to you? Are you running into walls? You know, Uh, no, no, I, I have. I think I've been blessed just to meet people who are you know, very open to talk and open to the conversation, reasonable and stuff like that. And again, like, you know what, this is a, this is an attitude I think I held for a long time of mm. saying kind of like, fuck the authorities and stuff word. like that, you know? Mm. Yeah. But, but they had, <laughs> I, I had this attitude of, you know, they don't care about us. They're not engaging us, blah, blah, blah. But mm. at the same time, man, it is entirely up to you as a citizen, as a skateboarder, whatever it is to engage with them because they don't know. I talked to, um, uh, one of the chief exec or one of the executives for Dublin City Council recently and had a fantastic meeting, really got along completely on the same page on a lot of subjects, right? And he was actually involved in building the Cabra Skate Park years and years ago. Now, this was this is as far as skate parks go, it didn't really work out that well. It was modular, fenced off. I think you had to pay in, plus you had to wear helmets, just a lot of no nos for a skate park <laughs> yeah. or for attracting okay. kids to go to it, right? Um, but you know, at the time he was saying, Well, we didn't know, we didn't know what was good and what was bad and stuff like that, you know, because they just didn't really know where to look to engage in it. And this is why the skating association has to be set up as a, mm. as a legitimate body for councils to turn to and say, these are the guys who, the guys who, who know exactly, you know, what is good and what is bad. Let's turn to them, get their advice in it. You know, it, again, it's just about sharing information, being reasonable, being kind, and then creating re- relationships that go forward in the future. I'm hoping that Portobello is successful. I'm also hoping that it leads to, you know, f- future possibilities and opportunities for skateboarding around Ireland, you know, because, um, it, it, you know, it, it's 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 crying out for it in a lot of in a lot of ways, you know. And and look, as as daunting as the system is to come against it, you know, a lot of will, patience, and uh, and and just and just wants wanting to learn and and really understand how things work and and being humble about that approach too will get you quite far, yeah. you know. Um, mm. And it, it's been a long time. Look, I have stacks and stacks of books all about Dublin planning, buildings, all of this stuff. And in some way, you know, I am interested 
by it, of course, but it, it's always been in a, in a sort of a lead up to this point of being like, I know at some stage this information is going to really be necessary to change things for, you know, in a positive manner or whatever it is. That's why I think most people who look at my bookshelf would be incredibly bored within five minutes. But, <laughs> but to me, to me, it's very interesting, you know, because yeah. because they're all little snippets of how things change over time within a city. Right. And 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 uh, and the power structures that were once there that are no longer there that had influence or now have influence and seeing it changing all the time is, is fascinating to me. You know, it, I, I don't hold I try not to hold a lot of emotional grudges towards the way things are or how they are. And stuff of that because mm. I just want to look at it from a fascinating point of view that this is an it's an amazing approach humans take towards creating the places that they live in like the planning system alone you know and it's have it's it's had massive hiccups throughout its history and arguably it's not really fit for purpose for anybody I, I don't know I don't think it's really fit for purpose for people looking to uh, to buy or build their own homes or or the people who are looking to build these homes you know a lot of the time it's um it's 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 a long uh, bureaucratic process um very difficult to get through and frankly it's it's very unattractive to build in ireland a lot of the time because it's so unpredictable um i think mm -hmm. that sweden follow a really good model a lot of the time where if you have that you know they have their city development plan which we do also have but in their development plan they'll give you um they'll basically give you your 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 height requirement that you're allowed to go to on that street how many bedrooms you might have to have what the size of the house may even have to be but the design is entirely up to you so you can get creative on the on the architecture and whatnot whereas in dublin and within ireland you just don't know whether or not that site that you have is going to actually be allowed to be built on because of so many issues and it's we mysterious. do have a massive problem with yeah we have a massive problem with what you know you describe as nimbyism you know not in my backyard that that is a huge issue in Ireland. Uh, there's a lot mm. of people who feel threatened by new developments, understandably so. Some of them are, are very, very poorly planned and just designed to get max capacity of people for max rents, not even to be sold. So those are the developments where you'd say, are these really benefiting the area that we're at? You know, there is always a finite resources of builders to do the work and a finite resource of land to actually build it on. So we best mm. put that to best use if we're to solve this housing crisis and more generally to design cities uh, for the best, you know? Yeah, and that's again on the macro. I got, like you said something so interesting at the start there, which was that I mean, did you ever expect that the city council person that you went to speak to, the executive, built a skate park? Like, why did he build a skate park? Is he into skate? Like, because this is something I've come across. Like, because I've been doing loads of stuff in yeah. tech, and obviously looking at the problems of tech and using philosophy to try and build better models for creating technology, but. Also, you can look at it like, oh, the evil empire or like there's this, you know, people get caught up in conspiracy thinking a lot now that there's a they and that there's a big, you know, cabal of people working mm -hmm. against you. But then when you actually go and talk to people in these things, they're all people <laughs> like everybody's, you know, yeah. you go to meet a housing yeah, yeah. executive or city council executive mm -hmm. and he's into skating or like I go and talk to somebody <laughs> and you're there into martial arts and you start to build this relationship. And I've kind of had the sense of like, oh my God, it's all just people. There isn't this, you know, yeah. the dark Darth Vader emperor kind of, at least not that I've met anyway. And that if you actually mm -hmm. go and talk to the people, you can build a relationship with them and that you can change things by yeah, doing that. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and and, uh, and you have to be, like, you know, reasonable again and, and sort of compromise on certain also. things. And, mm. and, and, and yeah, you've got to be, uh, you know, that there is humility to it as well. Uh, I mean... Um, 
yeah, at the end of the day, look, these systems are set up oftentimes uh, over a long period of time and there's all these little things that get added to oftentimes stop previous problems they've had or corruption or whatever it is. That's why these processes mm-hmm. are very lengthy and, and they're, they're, there's a lot of obstacles within them designed to protect the system from corruption, I suppose, you know. Um, yeah. But then, obviously, within that, you get inefficiency, right? You know, you get you get a lot of slow uh, decision making and uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of confusion, a lot of bureaucracy, and a lot of confusion. Mm. You know, there's so much in the planning system that is is difficult to understand or know, and it's very easy to come out, you know, thump your chest, say this is wrong, fuck this, fuck that. But at the end of the day, to change these systems, you need to get into the nitty gritty of them. Uh, and understand them, frankly, because it's it's very hard to change things. Other than that, now, you had a conversation recently with Mannix Flynn. I got to speak to Mannix for a half an hour on the phone call, you know, just yep. just on and on. Of course, he, he won't stop talking. I won't stop talking. So it was really <laughs> Man, interesting. Yeah, the two. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. And, like, and like his point was like, you know, really and truly what you want to do is, okay, Portobello is, is, is there's a fight on there, of course, but in the long-term future, what you actually want to be doing is changing the Dublin City Development Plan to include skateboarding in it so that if you have an underutilized public space, you know, it's within the plan of the council, you know, to as it's changing the city to incorporate yep. skateboarding within it, not just for skate parks by any means, but actually just within to little pockets, parks or whatever it may be, public spaces. Yep. And it, I would love to see within that development plan an approach against uh, um, defensive architecture, you know, metal spikes, balls, whatever it is, the type of things that, you know, deter people yep. from sitting down, sleeping, skating, whatever it is. I, I do think that they're, a complete cancer upon a city and they're very very mm. hostile hostile architecture is another name for them as 100%. well i would really love to see the development plan change so that they can no longer be you know included look there's always going to be situations where it's not ideal to have people doing certain activities or whatever it is but again there is more intelligent ways to design these rather than these blunt approaches you know so um so mm. that that would be the um, idea, yeah you know? um, and look Manics again this is a great oh, sorry go ahead Oh no, but sorry, but but again, like that would be you know an example of how another uh, thing gets added to this system of bureaucracy, right? And that oh well, we can't put in these case stoppers, so we have you know it's it's adding okay. to the list all the time. And again, what it is yeah. really and truly is you're building on previous past mistakes, and uh, and again, that's how that system gets so confusing and and very you know very hard to to mitigate. But it's it's an example of of why that is, you know. Yeah, and that there's, I mean, Mannix is a great example of that because he's like the life he's had, which is so unbelievable, and like has been through so much as a as a person, then as an artist, and then going into politics with I think the same mentality that you're describing here, which is you know whether you agree with him or not, he believes in something, and he's gonna he's gonna learn about planning, and he's gonna learn about mm. you know he's gonna be in the drainage meeting on Monday morning, and he's gonna you know go through it again and again and again and he's not going to stop and that kind of yeah. like that's most people most of us i suppose want to complain about things but you don't want to get your hands dirty you don't want to read the books you don't want to show up every day you don't want to do the boring things and i think that's mm-hmm. the reality of actual social change it's not just the protest it's not just you know going and shouting at people or you know wrecking things it is a very slow process of negotiation, of refinement, of learning, of development. And then maybe you can do what you're doing, which is to create a different kind of model for the future. I mean, that wouldn't be good just for skateboarding. Anybody that's trying to start something that wants then to get their thing into 
you know, the council budget or to be considered for open spaces. Mm -hmm. You've then left a path that people can follow for that, which could potentially yeah. lead to who knows what. Um, and that's yeah, really what exactly. yeah, the attitude, I think, is so important, man. Yeah, and that, that, that's the whole goal then behind that skate association is to do exactly what you're saying there. So that it's basically mm. just teaching people how to, in, you know, interact with these systems with the people who are kind of, you know, the gatekeepers of them or whatever you, you want to call it, you know. Yeah. So so a lot of it is it, it is education. Look, you don't learn about the planning system uh, in school. You know, maybe there's classes where actually that would be incredibly handy to know why it is that your For bus sure. route goes this way or why you live so far from a train or, you know, why it is that your public park is, is only X amount of you know of size and then this person's public park is that big and you know that it's 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 really interesting uh, i suppose they're specialist subjects that only people who might go into construction or architecture might start to dwell on a little bit and even within those courses it's probably a very small part of it you know unless you're going in to do planning itself um but again yeah like it, it is so important to to you know everything and, and like from a skateboarder's point of view you spend a lot of your life in cities just navigating them through streets and trying to find spaces that you like to hang out in that you like to skate which ones are better and, and worse and, and why that is and and um you know you get you get to understand what public and private really means you know i don't think people really like take into consideration mm -hmm. that too much but when you go to somewhere like grand canal docks you realize that this, this it's a lot more sterile because there's an atmosphere created there of more you know privatization let's say you know People might not realize it that quickly, but the bin collection is often privatized. The uh, the parking uh, meters and 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 the and the clamping is privatized, mm -hmm. and the security is privatized. You know, this private security wandering around everywhere, telling people what they can and cannot do. That's a huge difference to Portobello. Portobello mm -hmm. is and always has been, you know, a, a publicly controlled and operated space by the council. Right? You didn't have private security there telling you off. The council came and they collected the bins. They came and swept the place and they're done X, Y, and Z. There's actually a massive difference even within that itself. You know, there's this, uh, there's, a, there's a power balance that lies with the council, I think, more so on your side oftentimes than privatization because, you know, both, mm -hmm. of, the, both of them oftentimes are big organizations with structures and whatnot. But, you know, uh, at least on the council side of things, you do have a little bit more right to that space rather than if it was private, you know. Um, so, yep. so if this same situation was happening in Grand Canal Dock, there's pretty much nothing you could do unless you found someone who is very, very on your side or, or you know, willing to participate on the private owners within the company themselves. A lot of the time, or, within the company yeah. itself, yeah. Whereas, mm. whereas the council do have, like, you know, an obligation to you as a citizen to to provide you with amenities and facilities, you know. So. And, and again, it, it doesn't have to be a negative thing against, you know, they versus us. I mean, at the end of the day, like, we're all in this together. We all live in the same place. We want to see, you know, the best the best possible outcome. Obviously, there's different philosophies there, but as long as people are reasonable and you're willing to compromise on certain things, there's no reason why uh, why you can't turn out with, uh, with, with a really, really good space or, uh, you know, and this doesn't even just have to go for public spaces, by the way. This would go for venues or whatever it may be events all of this type of thing you know it's mm. uh again it's just about engaging knowing the right the right uh thing to say when to say it, and 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 just again just being humble and learning i suppose you know like this is gonna be a massive learning block for me i'm not getting paid to do any of this stuff but it's gonna require quite a lot of work um outside yeah. of working six days a week on a building site it's gonna require consistently talking to you know all of these stakeholders that are involved and i do think it's worth mm -hmm. it i mean i i my participation in 
uh, Cork Street in Weaver Park uh, from a, a very young age and only, you know, like as, as a sort of a, a kid in this process, looking at the adults taking the lead, but just obviously being supportive and being part of it, like getting to go to Weaver Park and knowing that long after I'm gone, that's going to be there, you know, supplying people with happiness. Like that's amazing, you know, so whatever short term effort and work we have to put in, I think for the long term benefit, it could work out really, really well uh, for, for Portobello, for more spaces than even just Portobello, but just, you know, more generally, I, I think there's a real opportunity in there to change Dublin and Ireland more generally for the better. Mm, and that yeah and that people will gravitate towards that man i'm getting a real sense of your vision for it and like that's that's something that's very appealing when you can tell somebody cares about something a lot and has you know a vision for it that matters to them that really will keep you going in life i think through so mm. much shit like and even though it's difficult and it's a responsibility and you don't get paid for it and stuff it does give you a sense of meaning as well i think you kind of need that yeah definitely yeah. something to be you know, pursuing. Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent. I mean, like you, you kind of question it. Um, you know, most people like the day to day is, you know, the meaning might lie, you know, mostly within work and then family and then maybe like hobbies and stuff like that as well. Like I, for me, there's a lot of meaning within Portobello and that's the reason that that mm. gets me to then decide to make a phone call, have a meeting, try and do all of this stuff. It's, it's not motivated by, you know, anything other than uh, sort of, sort of the passion or the, you know, the, to be honest, the knowledge that, uh, I've, I've gained over the years to see what public spaces like Portobello can do because I witnessed it from, I started skateboarding at Portobello. I started skateboarding because of Portobello at Portobello with a good few friends from primary school. A good few of them were living in Charlemagne uh, Street Flats, which is now demolished. But a lot of them also then stopped when that space was taken away from them because of skate stoppers and whatnot, you know? And I don't think that mm. helped anyone. Uh, I really, mm. really don't believe that that decision helped anybody. It was misinformed. It was, you know, it was just short-sighted thinking. And uh, it's just, it led to a lot of, I think, anger and just, you know, general disappointment or whatever between the community of skateboarding and between Dublin City Council. And I, I think there's a chance now to repair that. You know, there's there's different people involved in, in these things now. But, uh, but, you know, we didn't have to lose the time at Portobello that we lost over the last 10 or, or so years because of those skate stoppers. And we didn't have to lose a lot of those young people who decided to leave the activity because of it. And, you know, oftentimes yeah. end up in, in, in activities that weren't so good for them, you know. So that's, Yeah, that's, that's, and you think it's yeah. something you should be encouraging for young people to do if it's something that will, you know, keep them away from, I mean that's a really good way of putting it that if you block them skateboarding, you actually open up an avenue to other stuff. And yeah. I mean, there's plenty of trouble that you can get into as a young person um, to have something like skateboarding that gives you a sense of meaning and a sense of community as well. I'm sure it can get you into lots of trouble also, but yeah. it could be something that, you know, becomes um, that keeps you on the straight and narrow, I suppose, to use a bit of a cliche, but that's kind of coming towards something something else, which is the other issue, I suppose, which is with Portobello, I guess the issue that the residents have always had is like the antisocial behavior, that it gets sunny, everybody goes drink there, I'm there with like a bunch of car packy and, you know, outside their house and uh, yeah. <laughs> nobody's yeah, too yeah, happy yeah. about it. How do you manage Irish people? Like we, we're so good at taking a beautiful place and ruining it by having too much crack. Yeah, true. <laughs> Yeah, How does that? It's, it's true. In a, it's true in a lot of situations, and it's a good question. And I, mm. I honestly can say that I don't know outside of 
certain control measures that you can try put in place. Yeah. I, I would hate to see a fence around that space, to be honest. I think it'll really change sure. the dynamic of it. It'll make it a lot less welcoming. There's mm. probably a lot of residents there who won't accept, it will will maybe happily accept even a skate park, but not not necessarily that's what we're looking for, but but they won't mm. accept anything without a fence. I could, I could kind of see that happening because, oh, you yeah. know, people have to respect the space at the end of the day. Otherwise, it is ruined on everybody, you know, but... Um, it's not an excuse either to not build the space or have it there for people because I, I always say this, like if you've got a park or a skate park or something like that and it's say 400 people who use it a day, there's five people every day or week that, you know, that do something yep. bad in it, let's say. But yep. then shutting down the entire space because of those five people then puts 395 people at a disadvantage or, you know, puts them basically yep. as, as being in the bold class bold, you know everyone in the class suffers then because of it you know and it's not worth it so what do you do you just try and mitigation things now i have to say the communication between the council and just the general public about portobello has been absolutely terrible and that's why there's so many people really pissed off about this and emotional about it mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. right rightly so to be honest with you because you can't just take an entire space away and not come out to the public and say this is why we have to do this like if they were to come out reasonably and say something along the lines of this is actually going to speed up the construction it's going to make the area safer within the meantime people would be like okay maybe i can accept that a little bit easier than i yeah. can accept the entire mm -hmm. space being taken away without any any commentary on it at all i think that's a big communication error that they're making consistently across the city and that has to change yeah. um but yeah going forward on the design element of things again lighting uh, kind of open area that can be seen mm. from from the road and That's how really do you mitigate yeah. against yeah well well even how do you mitigate mitigate against skateboarding in in unsociable areas like i i think look you can put the sign up i hope it works and people are respectful but i do think it's reasonable to say there's no skateboarding here you know between the hours of x and y and stuff like that because fair enough people do live and work here you know what i mean like, yeah. you have to be respectful about it and it does work actually quite well in places like bordeaux where they have certain hours of the week where you can skate in certain locations and others you can't and people say okay that's fine you know it, it's it's you're not blocking people out. You're bringing them in. You're not creating this resentment. Again, the resentment that I had when I was younger because I had this fuck you to the system attitude because I just yeah. felt like it wasn't uh, tr making the effort to communicate with me. But at the end of the day, I had to make the, uh, you know, I had I had to communicate with it. Um, and, and now that I've started doing that, um, I can see I can see lights, you know, coming at the end of the tunnel here and there and say, here's, here's an option, here's an option, possibility and opportunity, not just like this, this, these consistent walls that feel like they're being built all year round. You not just at Portobello, but at Dublin more broadly. Every time one of the you know venues or spaces that you enjoy going to over the years is taken away from you, you know, um, that, cities man. cities are irresistible to change, you know. But uh, yeah, but but again, it's 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 you know, there's uh, there is there is there is light at the end of the tunnel. I think if 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 all goes well, it's not going to be easy, you know. And it's still it's still a flip of the coin. But I do think it could work out. Mm. And yeah, I mean, what you've just said there was so profound, man. It was just hitting me like the you felt like it had the system had to communicate to you, but mm. then when you started to communicate with it in a sense or with some part of what's classified as a system, um, then you started to see progress. I think a lot of us mm. have that kind of is our default that we should be given the option or something like it should show up on a plate, yeah, but. Unfortunately, it doesn't really work that way. You have to kind of cross enemy lines, you know, change your perceptions. Um, but one interesting thing, I mean, preventing antisocial behavior. Do you think that the Irish Skateboarding Association that you're going to set up is going to have to have some element of responsibility for that? And do you think yeah. that, that would be, you know, 
is that possible like would you have to become like a footballing body i suppose that's like yeah well yeah that's essentially that that actually Mm -hmm. that is it yeah to a degree and and i understand that and i actually think it's kind of only right because um Mm -hmm. you know if you if you create a space and you tell the council and the residents that skateboarding is going to bring nothing but positives to it and it it should be there for that reason but then you abandon the space it maybe doesn't get used because it wasn't designed right or you just have people who don't really you know don't really have much attachment to it then you've actually failed them and then going forward in the future it's possible that they'll say yeah we listened to you on this project before and it didn't pan out it went terribly so why should we listen to you again you know and then um, like as far as portobello goes i'll say this to the residents and i'll say this to people when it comes time to it if you wanted me to act as some sort of community officer liaison officer with people there on behalf of skateboarders or whatever it is i'll absolutely mm-hmm. do that and it just shows to people that you really you actually really care right um, and so, yeah, I, I do think that the ISA is going to have an important role in that going forward all across Ireland, not just in Dublin. Um, but again, that's the idea. And, and it's something that I think people will gladly actually make the decision to, to, to do. You know what I mean? Look, people people oftentimes you know fall out and there's issues here and there but at the end of the day if people are all moving towards this goal of wanting better spaces and better cities and better towns and whatnot then i see no reason why you know someone in in limerick and cork and belfast and dublin wherever it is isn't willing to go and negotiate with the council or kind of you know say okay look i'll take some some responsibility for this you know but at, mm-hmm. at the end of the day you know the council will have to do the same some residents might have to do the same the hotel of portobello will have to do the same everyone's going to have to be on some sort of negotiation or, or consistent communication even you know about what's going on Mm. in the space what's working and what's not because if you don't do that then what happens is down the line it it ends up getting skate stopped again or something like that because people weren't engaging to find out what the issues were and solve them then a harsh decision is taken to maybe skate stop it you know and and that's what you don't want like so yeah yeah and do you think there's a conflict of values there almost like in terms of the value of long-term skateboarding spaces that are accepted by the current establishment and then the idea of skateboarding being this kind of lawless you go yeah. against the grain <laughs> like fuck authority which it it is in a lot of sense and that's kind of part of what makes it great but then how do you integrate that into a long-term vision of something that's actually in working with the authorities i suppose <laughs> like it's I, like decentralized actually, you're making a centralized version no i i, I entirely mm. get what you're saying and, and it's it's mm. a conflict that skating is struggling with now more than ever particularly because of yeah. the olympics um oh, but yeah, yeah like i mean look I, I also think it's like partly got to do with uh skateboarding is just maturing as a as an art mm. form as a sport you know it, it's it's just uh it's still quite young. I mean, as far as it goes, you know, you're talking like within the last 70 years, I suppose you could say, you know, uh, and, mm-hmm. and skate culture is, is, is growing massively all the time. But um, it is a conflict with it. But at the end of the day, I do, I do think and I do find as we go forward that uh, people are very, very respectful of, of those who kind of take on these challenges, you know, with the council and whatnot. And, and I have to say that like the, uh, the shining light in the world in terms of skateboarding is Malmo in Sweden and they have taken this approach to a whole new level. I went in September uh, on a sort of a recce to understand a little bit more about Malmo and, and how it operates mm. and why it's so skate friendly. They do everything from any public space that is kind of underutilized to say, right, there's a skateboarder who works full time on the council and they say, okay, what can we integrate here? We'll put in this obstacle, we'll make this a little bit more attractive, we'll bring some more life to the place, right? Um, and it's an amazing how they do it. They go so far as to have um, 
you know, abandoned lots, let's say, and they'll rent it to their skate association for, you know, a few quid a year or something like that. And they'll allow skateboarders to come there and DIY the place themselves, actually build their own skate parks, right? And there's no massive insurance, you know, health and safety issues, whatever it is. But what happens then is people get to learn how to build, they get to learn how to, you know, skate, and they also get to learn how to like, you know, just basically design their cities in a way, you know, it's absolutely amazing process. Plus, they even have their own skateboarding school that isn't somewhere where you just you don't go there to learn how to skate necessarily. It's their gymnasium is a skate park. Their activities, we're getting to this is yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's crazy, you know. And and they also have classes for uh, you know you learn how to shoot photography or videography or do editing and stuff like that Mm. through the lens of skateboarding. Basically, that's how you learn it. It's absolutely incredible. I mean, I don't think Ireland will ever get to that stage, right? But I do (laughs) think that that if we took ten percent of what they do there bring it back mm. here we'll see that we'll reap the benefits of it you know that is so dope man that that's on like the macro macro level of like that skateboarding as a sport maturing um is a really yeah. cool idea because that's something i'd noticed that was i suppose felt significant that there is a difficulty of you know the values of skateboarding in general as a lawlessness and then the values of becoming something more like a sporting body and how that would work and how it can develop. But it seems like, and I think if anybody can do it, it's definitely you because you straddle the line between both of those things. You're a very responsible yeah. person. You're really to get and but also love skateboarding. Whereas there might be lots of skateboarders that are just like, you know, fuck the system, don't care. You know, you're just partying. Mm. But then the flip side is, you know, how, how can you lead them? I mean, are you leading them towards a more responsible skateboarding attitude or is it just Um, you're creating a framework in which anybody can exist in i just think that it's acting as a good example for younger generations coming up to see that happening right you know Mm -hmm. it's like uh you know when i was younger coming up i had one or two guys that were really really clued in and they they were the ones who really truly got the likes of weaver park across the line and that was very inspirational for me and it's inspirational for a lot of people and i noticed because i come up in the you know the the sort of the fuck authority system spray painting and skating anywhere i please forever as a teenager and whatnot you're not really given given a flying fuck but then you know you, you just get older like you know what i mean you get a little bit more <laughs> yeah. mature i suppose and and, and i guess you're sure. more willing to compromise or just just get involved in, in in like to be honest with you it's like i could complain and i could say well f this and f that but is it really going to make that much of a difference whereas you know i've seen it from a young age with uh, the petitioning and and campaigning for weaver park uh, that actually if you do this the right way through the right channels and for the right meaning that you can have something that's going to have a profound impact on people's lives for a very, very long time to come. Um, and, you know, Ireland is funny like that. In Sweden, this stuff is nearly done for you in a lot of times, you know, because they have these systems are they're very, very well set up. And, uh, you know, t- a lot of thought is always put into their design processes and whatnot. Whereas in Ireland, like most things, you really have to fight, you know. Um, but I, I do think that it's it's something we're fighting for, uh, you know. And, and again, look, I... I am not trying to like change the world. I just know there's a certain amount that I'm I'm quite confident I know, and that's and that's public space and and skateboarding, you know, and, and how it can make a difference. And Portobello, of course, is very very sentimentally attached to, to like it's very close to my heart basically because I owe it Too quite much. a lot, you know. I owe skateboarding a lot, and I owe uh, and I owe th- that space and and the people of that area and whatnot quite a lot as well. So I basically give him back to what it's the opportunities it's given me over the years. Man, I feel you, and I, I feel the same way about it. That's a very sentimental place, and 
where can people support you? I mean, I'm sure loads of people are fucking energized now after listening to this and they want to get <laughs> yeah. involved or they want to help you. You know, how can that be done? Yeah. So the difficulty of this process, right, is that it's incredibly slow and boring and that's why it's really hard <laughs> to try and like, again that that's where it's hard to, <laughs> for this to not not become political and that's what happened during the summer right and and yeah. again certain people are going to be you know not maybe not that happy to hear this but you know you just it has to it is a slow process as long mm. as the eye is not taken off the ball which you know i am not going to allow happen as far as much as i possibly can and if there is a time for it and you know, and people aren't being reasonable from the hotel side of it, from the council side of it, wherever it is. And there's need for direct action and public support. Absolutely, one hundred percent, that's going to happen. You know, and I, I hope to not have to go down that route. I, ha- I hope to have relationships done in a, in such a way that going forward we don't ever have to do that. You know, that it's it's people are being reasonable enough to say, okay, yes, we can do this. Yep. We can't do that. And, and so on and so forth, you know. So I, I hope that that situation of politics doesn't really have to come into this. Now, there are certain people who who will try and use it for their own political gain or whatever it may be, you know? And, and, and again, uh, like I, I'd say the best way for this to happen right now is to just, it's just, it's sit tight. Just, just keep a, keep an eye on the goblin page. The Irish skateboarding association page should be posting this type of stuff, but we're just working on setting up some websites and social media stuff right now. So it can't happen just yet. So I would say the best mm. place right now is, is, is probably the goblin goblin page and, and for news and stuff like that, you know? So I'm going to be keeping people, I'm going to be keeping people updated as much as I can, but we are in somewhat early stages of stages of this consultation so far. I've talked to a couple of residents. Uh, I've talked to chief exec or uh, executives in uh, Dublin city council uh, the area managers, I have been talking to the hotel representatives, uh, you know, and architects and skateboarders and so on and so forth. So it's just about keeping that sort of process going. And, and again, like it is emotional for people. I know a lot of people are upset about that space being taken away. I'm kind of looking past that. Those contracts are signed. I always kind of knew that was going to happen anyway. I'm looking to like the future, long term future of the, of the design and uh, how that space is going to look like in the future and and uh, so that's that's it but yeah again i'd say for updates at the minute the goblin page is probably the best best place for sure man and we'll have to touch base again once you get the uh, irish skateboarding association mm-hmm. off the ground man that's a, yeah, like 100%. the coolest idea ever man i think there's a great thing unfolding it, it even just hearing the story and seeing you know my intuition is that there's big things coming and definitely um, yeah I, I feel honored to be able to listen to it and to, to learn about it, man. So I appreciate what yeah, you're thanks, doing. Thank you so much, dude. Thank you for what you're doing and allow me to come on and speak for, you know, for, for an hour or whatever and just ramble. Cause it, uh, it allows me to get a lot off my chest. And again, it's a lot better than the sort of short snippets you get on social media and the sort of mishmash of information and stuff like that. So thanks a million. For sure, man. We get to hear the whole thing, but we'll do it again soon, Philly. Thanks again, brother. All right, dude. See you, man. I hope you enjoyed that chat and we are back full steam ahead now every fortnight with a new podcast um, with these interesting thinkers uh, helping you build a philosophy of life that you can use day to day that actually means something. And if you want to follow along, you know, follow on Spotify, subscribe on YouTube. You can find me at Instagram on man underscore McCann or you can join my email list at www.mahmccann.com. Uh, where you will also get the podcast weekly to your inbox if you like that sort of thing. Have a good day. Boop!